1: I'm starting to get ramped up for the, yeah. that outdoor game. Me too. Like I could,
2: I could smell that thing coming around the corner. It, it feels like a big deal.
0: I know we've been having just here internally conversations about the outdoor game and what we're going to do, where we're going to set up things like that for a few months now. Yes. Looking forward to this, but now that yeah, we're about a month away. It's gotta get on that ice. That's
2: it. I, I, I just got to get on chances. that ice. I think you're gonna I have gotta, some chances. I
0: I'll, I'll have. I've. My. My skates are in my car. I'm ready to go right now.
2: <laughs> At the drop of a hat. let uh, I got
0: all my gear. Everything. Let's
2: go. I, let's do it. Let's answer some questions. In Hey Joe.
0: Joe cracked it uh. Alright, this one comes from Kevin. Hey Joe. So is the Miami game on Saturday for NC State a Q one or Q two game?
2: Mm, remember, it matters where the game is played. So I put this on my Twitter account this morning. I also wrote about this on WRALsportsfan.com. Make sure you go check that out. Of course, there's Pack Therapy in the same story. You can listen to that because Scott Wood and I talked about this this week in Pack Therapy. Miami is number 36 in the net as we speak. Now, this changes, and the net ranking on Selection Sunday is the net ranking that matters. So I think you're with me, Dennis. Miami is a good team. I actually think they're the best team in the ACC. It is likely they will finish the season in the top 30, which would then make this a Q1 game because it's at home. But as we speak, it is a Q2 game because Miami is not yet in the top 30.
0: So the answer is yes. It's a Q1 or a Q2. Yes. It
2: is a Q2 as we speak. The real problem for the ACC, and if you missed it, Joe Ovius posted it on our YouTube page yesterday. We are talking about, hey – is the ACC that bad this year? And while I agree with the overall premise that there are good teams in the ACC, and there there's no you know killer out there, there's no 90 UNLV out there this year, I would also argue that the bottom of the ACC, particularly in the net rankings, is a problem. NC State has six games left against games that will either be Q3 or Q4 games. I don't know about you, but I watched Florida State at Wake Forest. I think it was last night or two nights ago. And I'm looking at it. And I'm going, Florida State is athletic as all get out. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to get somebody. They're 226 in the net. Whew. That's a Q4 game in Raleigh. It's a Q4 game wherever you play in the ACC. Wake Forest right now at 81 would actually be a Q3 game. Really? Yes, in Raleigh at home. So I do think Clemson right now is 59. I think they'll move up. I do think Wake will move up. I think Carolina moves up. Carolina's 32 right now. So State's game against Carolina and Raleigh wouldn't even be a Q1 game right now, which is crazy. One thing to think about, and and if you missed our conversation with Kevin Keats earlier this week, he shouted me out and said, I'm sure Joe will tell me which one's a Q1, which one's a Q2, which is what I'm doing right here. But there's one other thing you have to think about. Because we we talk about quadrants, we talk about Q1s, because these are the ones that the selection committee put the most value on. One other thing the committee values, who did you beat in the field? There's 68 teams in the field. Invariably, you're going to get a team on a board when the selection committee talks about them, and they're going to look around and go, well, who else did they beat? That's in the field. That would be Miami's case. Like, so if State beats Miami, and they don't get to the Q one. You're still gonna get credit for beating them because mm-hmm. they'd be a team that's in the field. All right.
0: Next up, back. Uh-huh. Lean back. from Elon. Hey Joe, if have you been tricked by the new Twitter algorithm? I have been
2: tricked, Dennis. Have you seen this on Twitter? I have when not. you go through your feed now, there's a tab that says for you. which has been tailored by Twitter or actual who you follow. So you have to click on who you're following to see the people that you actually follow. Otherwise, you're getting the new algorithm, which only gives you what Twitter thinks you're interested in. This is weird. See this? Okay, And you thought Joe Ovius was the technologically sound one. Score one, Virgilio.
0: Okay, here's the thing, at least for me. Yes. Is I choose to follow people because I want that to be for me. That's what I want to say. That's the point. Yes.
2: Okay. Crazy, right? So, yes, when you open it up and you go to your homepage, make sure you're – I mean, you can do the for you. You can see what Twitter tells you. But if you want to see who you're actually following, you got to click on who you're following. It's just another step. I don't know why. I don't know what Elon's up to, but it was kind of him to submit a Hey Joe question.
0: The whole idea of following people is because you want that to be for you. I I, I know. I know. I know. (laughs) Last one. We got time. Yeah! From Sean G. Hey Joe, how many golf pools are you in this PGA season?
2: All right, so... I don't know about you, Dennis, but I enjoy gambling on golf. That's my favorite. It is. They have the best odds. They have the best payouts. And, you know, they're the horses for courses, right? Sure. You can pick guys based on the par. You can pick guys based on how well they historically play at a course. But once guys get hot, you can look at the field, see who's in the field. There's many different variables when it comes to golf. I'm now, though, in three golf pools. I had never been in a golf pool before two years ago and then all of a sudden I added one and now I'm I'm up to three. I, I feel like I have a problem because last night I turned on the Sony Open and Dennis within 10 minutes I probably fell asleep. If not more. Sounds about right. I love watching golf but at night it does put me to sleep because of the scenery and as Joe Ovia says, I like it because it, it's like an advertisement for tourism for Hawaii because Without the golf tournament, how would anyone know that you're supposed to go to Hawaii
0: and how beautiful it is?
2: You would never be able to figure that out without the PGA Tour.
0: No, no, never.
2: Not once.
0: The only reason why I ever want to go there is because of that.
2: Exactly. Because you saw it on TV. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to former NC State assistant coach Mike Archer. Mike has a lot of stops on the way, has, has interacted with a lot of coaches along the way, including NC State's new offensive coordinator, Robert Anai. Joining me now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline is Mike Archer, former NC State assistant coach, former Virginia assistant coach, former Kentucky assistant coach, former Pittsburgh Steelers assistant coach. Do I I need to keep going? I I guess I better hit LSU head coach. Uh, Do I need to say your whole resume here, Arch, or or is uh, football expert sufficient?
1: No, no, I'm far from a football expert, just a football fan.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, when NC State had hired Robert and I as their new offense coordinator, I thought, you know, I've seen Virginia's offense. I've seen them at BYU, but I'm just a I'm a writer schlub. I'm a radio hack. You, on the other hand, have actually coached against Robert and I. So I'm curious, what do you think, what is it like to go against one of his offenses, and what is NC State getting in Robert and
1: I? Well, I, I think they're getting an outstanding football coach that understands offense and how to attack people. Um, when we were at Virginia back in 2013, 14, 15, uh, we played BYU twice, and uh, he had a very talented quarterback. Named, I think his name is Tation Hill, who's now with the New Orleans Saints. And uh, he utilized his talents, uh, and he knows how to attack people. Uh, we, we were very impressed when, in, in watching them on film, the things that they did not only in the passing game, but in the running game. And, you know, obviously I think when you think of BYU football, where he – you know, where he spent most of his time, um, you think of the passing game, you think of Steve Young, and you think of all the prolific quarterbacks that have come out of there. But the guy is a very sound football coach, uh, knows uh, knows how to attack you. That, that's the most impressive thing. And, you know, we were fortunate one year we beat him, and then the next year we went out to uh, out to Provo. They beat us in a high-scoring game. And I think the most impressive thing is everywhere he goes, they they improve offensively and you know he left there he went to virginia with bronco and you see the things that he did with Brendan armstrong in the passing game and then when bronco stepped down last year he went to syracuse and you saw what syracuse did and i know you know nc state played syracuse this year so um he's he's i think it's a great hire i think nc state fans will really enjoy watching his offenses because i think it'll be exciting
2: mike archer joining us here on the Easter Autumn automotive group hotline joe obvious is out today i'm joe Gilio all right mike so you're, you're coaching against one of his offenses you know he can be creative uses the talent available to him what kind of advantage is it for him to come here he knows the league and now also to have his quarterback uh, in in Brendan Armstrong, who's familiar with him, you don't have to teach the quarterback anything. That that feels like a big advantage.
1: Well, I think what's going to happen is Robert and, and Brendan Armstrong are going to teach the the guys at NC State. They're they're going to be very involved. Obviously, the quarterback knows the system, and they, they'll you have two people teaching that, and along with that, in his offensive line coach, who was with him at Virginia, yeah. who I believe stayed on at Virginia last year, is with them. So now you've got three people. Who are familiar with terminology how they install things how they're going to attack people and how they're going to game plan people each week so i think it's you know i think it's a great advantage and i think it's going to play it it's going to play into their hands that uh, they can they can bring the other people along the assistant coaches are going to learn the terminology uh the players but you have three people that are familiar with the system and i think it's only going to be a big plus for nc state mike
2: archer former nc state assistant former LSU head coach joining us. So I'm thinking of you Monday night watching Georgia just absolutely beat the brakes off of TCU. You, you've told me so many different times out of your stops from LSU, your stops at Kentucky. You're like, Joe, yeah, listen, I've been in the ACC, and, and I know there are good teams. I know there's good talent, but the SEC is really at a different level, and I and I couldn't help but think of you on Monday night. What, what Were you surprised at all? by even just the level of destruction that Georgia put on TCU?
1: Well, I, I wasn't totally surprised, Joe, because after, you know, after Georgia beat Ohio State, I I listened to what Kirby said, and, and I know Kirby, I know Will Muschamp, uh, they're both defensive coaches, and they were both at the Dolphins with Nick when I went down there and interviewed and had gotten to know their philosophy, and I could tell after the ohio state game kirby was not happy and he made a statement he said we're going back to Athens. we got a lot of work to do and we're going to hit some this week before we go out to los angeles because we gave up 500 yards to lsu in the sec championship game we gave up 500 yards tonight to ohio state and we were very fortunate to win so when i heard that and and i could tell by his demeanor he was not happy and so and then you know, then I watched the TCU game, and they played great against Michigan, and and I just I didn't have a great feeling for TCU. The only way I thought TCU had a chance is if they hit many hit hit a few explosive plays and and special teams, and and didn't turn the ball over. And the opposite happened. They turned it over, uh, and and then the talent level at Georgia is probably. Uh, superior to everybody, including alabama yeah uh, in that league and so you know it wasn't a big surprise the fact that it ended up sixty five to seven or whatever it was um, that was kind of surprising um, but they're they're that talented and i and I think thats uh, the Bennett the quarterback uh you know he's come so far in two years, the guy's phenomenal, and there's a guy that nobody wanted three years ago so a great story but i think the best team in college football won and they've won back-to-back championships and i read kirby's comments since the game and, and he's already you know setting the tone for next year to try and 3
2: mike archer joining us here on the history automotive group hotline joe this is out today i'm joe Gilio. so uh, you know nick saban a little bit you know you, you mentioned i think you were with the steelers at the time is that right when he wanted you to come no. down
1: or you no, was, I was at Kentucky. I was I was at Kentucky. I had okay. been at the Steelers, went to Kentucky, and then went down there when he took the uh, the Dolphins job for those two years. Okay. Yes. So, and I and I had all I had interviewed with them uh, previously mm-hmm. when he was uh, with the Cleveland Browns with Billy see. Belcher.
2: Okay. Something tells uh, me you
1: knew his pops too, probably. No, no, no? I did not. Okay. I, I've read I've read Nick's books. I have heard about Big Nick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who was, uh, I know, a very, very strong influence on Nick's, and I'm not getting into his personal life, but I've read, I think I have two or three books about Nick, and, and I think he's a great football coach. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the greatest of all time. You, you don't argue with the national championships that he's won. He's been successful, you know, everywhere he's been. Uh, but I have read about his dad, and knowing where he comes from in West Virginia, in the Fairmont, West Virginia area, it's a tough area. Yeah, and his dad was a was a tough guy, and that's kind of the way it was to live in that area.
2: So, what what do you suspect Nick Saban's reaction was when David Pollock, former Georgia All American, is on the set with Nick Saban sitting next to him and basically telling him Georgia runs this
1: thing now? You don't. Uh, it, it, I, I saw that and I, I very quickly looked at uh, at Coach Saban, and uh, I thought he I thought he did a a, a marvelous job of maintaining his composure, but uh, who knows what was going on inside of his mind uh, after David Pollock said those things. But you know, to be honest with, you, it's hard, it's hard to refute it uh, based on what's happened the last two years. And Alabama's a great football program, has been uh, over the years. and but I, when I saw when I heard David make that comment, and I looked at Coach Saban, it uh, it was interesting, and uh, I give him credit. He he just sat there and listened, and it was it would have been, you know, it would have been you know easy for him to say something, but he didn't. He's a professional. He understands what he was doing on the set, and he was there to make comments, and he basically kept it to himself. But I trust me, that will be fuel on the fire when. Uh, when uh if you know if and when they play again in the conference championship you know exactly where i was going because i'm like that feels like
2: it'll be on the on the in the weight room on a video loop the whole off season if, if we
1: have if i have any inkling of how nick I,
2: saban works
1: I yeah you know I, you know it's all part of the process but trust mm-hmm. me i think that uh that uh, that will come up uh, numerous times in the off season uh within the uh alabama football building <laughs>
2: Mike Archer, uh perfect old man golfer joining us here on the OG. Man, hits the ball. You need somebody to hit the ball straight. That's Mike Archer. Um, <laughs> I am I'm still impressed from our round out at Wakefield. Before I let you go though, the, we got one more year of the 4 team playoff. And I'm with you. Right. You know, Georgia's going to be a prohibitive favorite next year. Now, that's not to say Ohio State didn't beat them in the semifinal. They they had them. They need to make a kick. But I'm wondering right. once they expand to 12 teams, can you see A scenario, a future where an NC State, a Wake Forest, a North Carolina, maybe even a Duke could possibly sneak into a 12-team field?
1: Sure. I think you can uh, because all you you have to do is be really, really good one time. Mm -hmm. And and look at, you know, you look at TCU. You know, last year they won four games, I believe. Yeah, five and and seven. Five and seven. And Sonny Dykes comes in there, does an amazing job of taking – that talent and you know and they had some transfers and you know the transfer portal is another topic of of college football now and that that's a way that you can you can replenish your squad through different avenues but he came in there and they had a phenomenal year and they made the 14 playoffs and then they beat a michigan team that was heavily favored and and i go back Joe, I go back to the year we won the first national championship at the University of Miami in 1983 with Coach Schnellenberger. When we played Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, you know, we were, I think, 24-point underdogs, and nobody said we had a chance. We are playing the greatest team in college football with Turner, Turner Gill, Mike, Ro- Mike Rozier, Irving Fry, yeah. Mike Rogier, Dean Steinkoer. We had no chance. We were told, you know, just make it a game. But you know, all it takes is one time, and – You know, luckily, you know, we had a guy named Bernie Kosar, Eddie Brown, Alonzo Highsmith. And, 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 you know, we pulled it off. I mean, we win 31 to 30 when they don't make the two-point conversion. So by going to the 12-team format, I think you put more people into the mix. Therefore, more people have opportunities. And all it takes is somebody to have a bad night you know, like TCU did Monday night. They they obviously did not play very well, and it snowballed. And it, the same thing could happen where you have an NC State or North Carolina or a Duke or someone that gets to that level, makes the 12-team playoff, and gets hot, and gets hot. And so, yes, I, I think it opens it up even more so. And, and here's another example, and people laugh at this. You know, Troy State this year, a young man named John Summerall who played for me at the University of Kentucky, you know, they lost one game this year. And that was to happy state on, on a, a Hail, Mary. Hail, yeah. Hail Mary. On a Hail Mary. And, you know, they were nationally ranked this year. I believe they were in the top 20. They won their conference championship. They won their championship game. And, you know, so there's another team who knows. I mean, because, I, I mean, I looked at their roster, you know, and, and because I followed it because of my relationship with John they have a ton of kids that started out at SCC schools and with the transfer portal. Now th- that Troy state team was extremely talented. And when I watched their bowl game and listened to the announcers talk about some of their personnel, somebody made the statement. And I can't remember who the broadcaster was. He goes, here's the team. If the, if we were in the 12 team format, this would be a sleeper team that might win one or two. And I agree with that yeah. because I think that's, what's going to happen. As we look at this transfer portal, and not only are kids going to transfer to other schools in equal conferences, but you have kids that maybe were at a Troy State that now will transfer up to a bigger school or a bigger school to a smaller school like a Troy State. And so the town level, I think, is going to all balance out more, and you're going to have some of the, you know, the Troy States, the Appy States, because Appy, you know, Appy's got, they've got a great program. And you look at their town level, and you look at their game against North Carolina. I mean, it's like a basketball game. So I think that the 12-team format opens it up to the Cinderella teams that might have an opportunity if they get hot at the right time.
2: Mike Archer, appreciate
1: you taking the time. We need to get together soon and play some golf, all right? You got it.